This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. It's Michael here, and today I've got Mari Ryan on the line. Hi, Mari. How are you? I'm great, Michael. Great to have you here. You are the CEO and founder of Advancing Wellness and the author of The Thriving Hive, How People-Centric Workplaces Ignite Engagement and Fuel Results. So what prompted you to write a book? I always ask people, uh, fellow authors, why in the world would you want to torture yourself to do that? Yeah. No, it's not... <laughs> It's not really torture people, but it, it it's it's not as easy as you would think. No, it is not as easy as you would think. And and my book uh, is a business parable, so it's um, it's a story. And well, what motivated me is that I felt I had a story I wanted to tell about what I believe is the way we should be creating workplaces and creating cultures in workplaces. And I felt that a book was a way to do that, a way to get the message out in a consistent approach. And, um, and it was actually a really neat experience to be able to take the time. I had a, some time set aside early last year to be able to write the book. And it was really a fun experience. Some days I'd sit down and I wasn't sure what was going to come uh, to me and how I was going to write it and how I was going to shape the story. It's set in a beehive, so I use that as the metaphor for the system of the workplace. And uh, I had to learn a lot about bees because I really didn't know much about bees. And it was really a fun journey. I really had a blast doing it. Well, it's funny you use the, you know, the bee analogy because I know in recent you know, months and past couple of years, you know, we've heard stories about you know, the shortage of bees on the planet. So it, it, mm. there's, there's a, some symbolism there on that. But, you know, bees and hives and, and how they work. Because if you, you know, I've looked at a beehive up close and I look at the, the level of detail and design of this thing. I'm like, how is this thing that's like flying around with wings and, you know, and all of that design something so intrinsically, awesome and then creates honey which i happen to really love <laughs> and and you know all of these other things and it reminds me of summer too because you know living in toronto and i believe you're on the east coast uh, mm. you know our summers aren't that long so when we start seeing bees now some of us go oh man bees but for me it's like ah oh, yep. some summer's here they're they're out and about this is good mm -hmm. well you know beehives are actually fascinating and this is part of the reason i think it's such a great metaphor for the workplace the um although i took some liberties in my book of making you know the, the queen bee hierarchical and you know in charge which is not in reality but it's so interesting how um how a hive functions how everyone every bee does their job and how there's communication that happens between the different functions because there's lots of different jobs in a hive and how they all work together in a collaborative way and yet they also have to deal with threats so that as we you know as you say there's been a lot of threats to bees lately including um, environmental threats but there can be other threats like um, overheating and you know droughts and things like that that also impact them and that's a really good metaphor for the fact that we have, you know, macro environmental things that 
and macroeconomic things that impact businesses. So it actually ended up being a very interesting metaphor. Yeah, I mean, it's great that you, you chose it because, again, there's there's a system in place and, mm-hmm. you know, leadership tiers and organizational um, designs and things like that, that that flush out in the in this type of model. And I know in the pre-show, we, we, we discussed uh, a little bit about the ever-changing workplace and mm-hmm. and how we have multiple generations that could be working within one organization. And as a society as a whole, we've got our baby boomer generation, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, mm-hmm. all working now. Um, and and the dynamic differences between those groups, although having worked with many of them, there are more similarities than one would think. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes they get very, especially on the depending on the profession, um, they mm-hmm. get very drawn lines as far as the differences. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I've seen it in the healthcare space where baby boomer physicians and millennial aged um, physicians do not get along very well. Mm-hmm. I've at least in my at least in my personal experience, and me being uh, Generation X, I look at them and I, I say, "You two are very much alike," and but you don't mm-hmm. see it. Um, but you know, so in your experience in working with organizations that are dealing with with retention and culture and mm-hmm. environments and things like that, what are some of the common things you're running into when you talk with those people, and then? What are some things that you help those organizations shift towards uh, to improve uh, the environment within their organization? Well, very good questions in terms of how to think about, you know, and what we're seeing with our clients in terms of addressing these issues. I agree that to a certain extent, there's some common things that we need to be thinking about regardless of generation. People are people, and we have some very basic needs. We all feel we want to belong. So we need to have a culture that shows that it cares for people and provides opportunities for recognition and the opportunity to, to, you know, let let employees know that their work is valued. And I think that goes across all generations. That's just innately who we are as human beings. So from that perspective, I think we have to think about what are the elements that are our core? You know, if there's a set of core things, people want to have purpose, they want to have meaningful work, they want to work with people that, you know, are um, friendly and enjoyable and collaborative. And I, I don't think there's generational differences on that. But I think we also need to be sensitive to and have empathy for the, for everyone in the organization across, you know, in those individual generations. I think it's so important for employers to really ask, you know, ask the question, you know, understand what the needs are. Don't make assumptions across, you know, don't make assumptions that millennials all want to do this and Gen Xers all want to do this. So we want to really ask um, and use the opportunity to understand what's of interest. What are the concerns? You know, we hear so much more about the need for family friendly workplaces and reducing stress in the workplace and being able to have more work-life balance. And again, just because you don't have, you know, kids running around at home, you know, when you get home at the end of every day as a, a baby boomer might not have anymore, that doesn't mean that they don't have stress in their life. They might have a parent who's ill and needs caring. 
So I think we have to really, you know, ask your employees, understand, get in those conversations to really have the, um, you know, the facts and the, the true um, information about what's important to your people. It's crucial. And I know that with a lot of employees, you know, regardless of what uh, generation they're from, uh, there's external challenges that they have. It's mm-hmm. called it's thing called life, you know, where it's, <laughs> yeah. you, know, the, you know, when you look at, you know, half the population, you know, from statistics are, are going through or will divorce. You have children mm-hmm. issues. Uh, we're seeing, obviously, as our population is getting older, there's a lot more challenges with, you know, caring for our parents. So they may be a caregiver, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how many sick days or personal days their organization have, you know, they may have to navigate around the simple things of, you know, getting their washer dryer repaired or they switched mm-hmm. cable providers and the cable company gives us that infamous four hour window, yeah. um, which feels like 40. Uh, but at the end of the day, you've got all these little nuances that takes people's minds away from work. So when they're at work, they're thinking about those other things. So their productivity naturally is not going to be where it could be. So the the proactive organizations that I've seen will often have leeway when it comes to giving some flexibility around those life circumstances. Now, it, it's difficult because, and I've seen this probably since, you know, after, you know, the big recession from 2008 and 09, where organizations, many of them anyway, you know, were became a lot smaller than they used to be. And they didn't bring back as many people as they had once before. So you've got less people working in organizations. So it it creates Mm -hmm. some challenges as far as coverage or whatever the situation is, whatever field it happens to be in. So there's pressures when it comes to workloads. And, and, And I'd love to hear your your input on you know what you've experienced with you know the people that you work with on that and and how do they navigate around you know those challenges mm-hmm. that the recession uh, left us with for for those of us that were fortunate enough to survive all of that fun. Mm. Well, there certainly are residual effects, as you say, and I think you know this is similar in the, in the way that you approach much of your work is that we're finding that in in almost every organization that that we work with stress is a big issue. And it comes in part because there may be more work than there are people to do the work. And some of that's not changing. And if we don't really solve some of those root cause problems, um, you know, we often hear about the wellness programs that organizations are bringing in or the well-being programs and they're focused on, you know, stress resilience or stress management or, you know, all of those kinds of things. But the my concern is that those programs are, are, to a certain extent, they can be helpful, but if you never remove the root cause of some of the, um, the true stress, whether that's because they're short-staffed, whether it's because it's a toxic workplace because of personalities, whether it's a place that just doesn't seem to care for their people, whatever the, the issue may be, you've got to resolve those core issues or people will just really feel like, you know, th- this is, you know, just putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. You know, it's, it's not going to really matter. Yeah, and I use that you know, with the people that I work with, with stress management and burnout prevention mm-hmm. or recovery is 
yes, there's no shortage of, you know, how to address burnout. Okay, take a vacation, get eight hours sleep, eat better, all of that stuff, which is great. You should do that. But every one of those things are a Band-Aid. They're not going to get to the core reason or reasons why someone stresses out in the first place. If it's an Mm -hmm. executive, oftentimes, you know, they've been really successful as they rose to the ranks and became in you know somebody that's in the c-suite and they got there it's like congratulations you're the ceo you've never had any c-suite training but here you go and they have to shift their mindset from being somebody that was used to doing and managing and all of that to someone that is directing that's two different worlds and sometimes they struggle with that and oftentimes too they were so used to getting those accolades of you're doing such a great job and rising through the ranks they it's almost like an addiction in a way where they, they, they want to continue to do that. So they continue driving and pushing and pushing. And it, and again, they slowly start to break down because they're not taking care of themselves. They're so focused on doing things that they're not paying any attention to what their bodies need or what their family needs or most importantly, what they need. And they, they just ignore it. And the next thing you know, they're, they're in the hospital or, you know, making huge mistakes because they're just not there. And it makes a, makes a big difference. So in the organizations you work with, I mean, what, what's some common things that you've been able to uh, get them to implement that have really made a huge difference in, in how their businesses grow and, and turn around their teams? I know you had mentioned like the wellness strategy and all these other mm-hmm. things. But, you know, what, what's some common things that you've done to really help um, those organizations move the needle and get, you know, get to a better place where they're not going through a constant turnstile of employees and, and, and right. team members? Well, I think the, the first piece is um, most of the work that I do with organizations, and they tend to be larger organizations, has to do with building a strategy for their well-being um, initiatives and that that in and of itself is important because it's not just, oh, let's, you know, have a walking program or let's, you know, put some healthy food in the cafeteria types of things. It's about really saying this is important. This is an important element of our talent management and our employee experience. And we are going to, uh, can you hear that? Sorry to interrupt. There's an electrician working below me. Sorry. <laughs> can you hear it? Yeah, I can. I, 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 can yeah. Edit, I can edit this part out. That's no problem. Yeah, I just don't know how long he's going to be there. Let me just see if I can. I should have. I usually tell him. I told him yesterday. I had a radio interview yesterday. How much time do I need to tell them I need about 20 minutes? Yeah, maybe another five or 10 because we're, we're about you okay. know, 18 minutes into it. So not much longer. Okay. All right. Let me see if I can get him to move. Let's see if he'll answer that. Sorry about that. Um, I dutifully unplugged the phone and put the dog in another room and I forgot about the electrician. That's okay. I, I live in a condo and sometimes either an alarm will go off because somebody's smoked in the garage or... Um, my neighbor, a floor above me. I don't know what they're doing out there, but they make all kinds yeah. of different noises. So yeah, so yeah. go ahead and go ahead and continue and then I'll add it in too. 
Okay, so sorry, I was starting to say, um, so developing a strategic plan. Mm -hmm. So the, when I'm working with organizations, one of the first things that I really um, work with them on is developing a strategic plan for their well-being initiatives. And this shows that they're making a commitment to this being an important part of their talent management and their employee experience. And by saying that, it means that they're going to um, apply the resources, whether that's the money, the people, you know, buying external resources, whatever it is. And that gives them the ability to then execute on that strategy in a way that is going to support their goals and objectives for, you know, what they're doing for their workforce. In terms of programs, each, each organization is unique. We identify what, um, what are the issues for that workforce. Uh, we look broadly across an organization. So we look not only at the individual health of the workforce, but we look at the culture. We look at the physical workplace. You know, we look at a lot of different elements that um, come into play that affect well-being because well-being is, is broad. And we use a model that's based on um, Gallup uh, research and some of the, the work from the Gallup team that has five elements to it. And those are physical, which, you know, is, they call it physical, I call it energy, because it it's really feeds our energy for us to be able to, to function well. Um, the financial well-being, because every, as we all know, if our financial life is out of whack, then our whole life can be out of whack. Um, community and connection as elements of how, you know, how we're collaborating, how we're connecting with people, um, both in the workplace and in our community. And at the core of it is purpose. So how do we as individuals have a purpose that gets us out of bed every day, that motivates us, that keeps us going? And also what's that connection to the purpose in the organization? So we, we definitely look broadly. I would say some of the kinds of things that we're seeing as, um, as issues with our clients generally fall into the areas of sleep has been over the last couple of years, a huge issue. We just don't get enough sleep. And the quality and quantity of sleep are, you know, sometimes both lacking. Uh, so being able to support employees and give them resources to help them sleep better, which obviously is going to give us more energy. And the stress is actually always, uh, pretty much always a big one. You know, our, our lives have um, changed over the last 10 years with the introduction of various technologies so that we're constantly tethered to our workplaces um, are, we're constantly tethered to our homes as well and our families, which can also be a source of stress. Um, so there's that balance that we, we have to find in the way to integrate both of those. So I would say those are probably, and that you know, goes to in some industries in the work that you're doing, burnout. You know, we hopefully don't get to a point of burnout, um, but the stress indicators can sometimes tell us that you know, we need to be working on this now so that we can avoid burnout. Yeah, I'm a big fan of being preemptive when it comes to those things. And, mm -hmm. and all of those things you mentioned are so intertwined because if you're stressed and you're in constant work mode or home mode or dealing with those things, it's going to impact your sleep. And if you're not sleeping well, then you're going to be more stressed and it just starts feeding the monster and it can spiral out of control a lot faster than you would want it to. And at the end of the day, you end up getting to this state where you're not your optimum self, which means you're not the best you can be for your employer, your family, yourself, anyone involved. So true. 
So true. So where can people find out more about you and the awesome work that you're doing? Well, our website is called, uh, the company name is Advancing Wellness. And the website is advwellness.com. Um, also on social media, find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, on Twitter as advwellness underscore US. That's awesome. And the audience will have all that information in the show notes. So Mari, thank you so much for being on the show and, and more importantly, being really patient because we've been trying to line this up <laughs> for eons. I mean, yeah. I, th I think I was a teenager when we first started to try <laughs> to book this. I uh, bet you but, even had hair then too, right? Um, I did. I did. I had a lot of hair. And when I started losing, I was kind of confused because I'm like, wait a minute, my hair was thick. What happened? Well, I, I know it's called, um, you know, family heritage, but uh, another story for another day. So thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate you and all the awesome work you're doing. Thanks. And you too. Thanks so much. And until next time, everybody be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.